Let's admire some handmade boats with Christopher Plummer. It's time for Pod Cusack. Welcome to Pod Cusack, the only podcast made about and explicitly for Hollywood's most medium actor, John Cusack. Today, we are talking about uh, one of the greats, one of the classics in the Cusack oeuvre. Uh, of course, that is Must Love Dogs, the 2005 rom-com starring Diane Lane and, of course, our boy, the Cus, the Cuse man. And Cusack Nation, can I just say... I've got two of the greatest guests of all time on the show today. Comedian, you may know him as the founder of Lo-Fi Comedy NYC. You may know him from talking for eight hours straight about the Snyder Cut on Come (laughs) At Me Show. Guys, it's Kevin Bauer. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kevin. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. And with me also... She literally wrote the book on rom-coms. It's Lana Schwartz. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to get into this and uh, talk about this weird movie. Yeah, it's a, it is a strange one. But before we get into the movie itself, Lana, let's start with you. What is your relationship to Cusack? Do you, are you a Cusack fan? Are you a super fan? Do you have any relationship? And it's okay to say no, most people do. I, yeah, I would say I have a relationship with him because I grew up on Say Anything, um, Cameron Crowe, extremely formative to me. So that movie, Say Anything, also extremely formative to me and also loved High Fidelity as a kid. Uh, maybe not a kid, a teen. Um, I read the book, saw the movie. Um, yeah, I always, I always liked him. I liked seeing him in 16 Candles and he's really little and puny. Uh, so I guess I, I've always had a soft spot for John Cusack and I, I love his work in hot tub time machine too. Um, (laughs) just, you know, uh, I guess I, I maybe not at your level, but as close as one can be to being a Cusack head, at least in regards to his earlier work for Mm -hmm. sure. Kevin, what about you? Are you a Cusack fan? Are you a member of Cusack nation? Oh man. Nowhere near Lana (laughs) on this one. I can't compete in the slightest. I think my biggest connection to him is that he kind of reminds me of my uncle, uh, my paternal uncle. But yeah, I've got a a very strange relationship with John Cusack. I like him fine. Lana, just quickly, you did write a book about rom-coms. Build your own romantic comedy. You can find it on Simon & Schuster, Amazon.com, wherever your books are sold. So you know a lot about rom-coms. You've seen them all. Where does Cusack fall into sort of, obviously you got your Titans, your, your Tom Hanks's of the world, your Julia Roberts. These are the Titans of the rom-coms. Where is John Cusack in like the pantheon of rom-com leads? I think he's pretty upper echelon because I feel like Say Anything, when you think about rom-coms, like Say Anything is pretty, pretty indisputable. I feel like like that is a rom-com classic. So the fact that he he never would have to make another rom-com again, and I feel like he would be in there. But I think he's also a pretty solidly like reliable leading man in the sense that I think you maybe I mean maybe not in this movie, 
But I think for the most part, he's the guy you want the lead to end up with because he seems nice and like normal. Mm -hmm. In this movie, he is weird, I think. But again, we can get into that. <laughs> yeah. but, but I think there's like, he, he feels very dependable. He's not like flashy. He's not, he's very like, yeah, he's very Tom Hanks like in the sense that he feels like an average guy and same even in High Fidelity. In High Fidelity, he's like a jerk who needs to like, you know, come to terms with himself, but there's still something you like about him. He's like every manness of Tom Hanks with a little bit of like the Gen X sarcasm snark. Yeah. I also think like because he's a generation or maybe depending on how you want to slice it, even two generations older than us, that him in high fidelity is like the mold for every like guy you've met in yeah. front. I hate to do that, but it's <laughs> true. It's it's true. Like he, that is the mold for that guy who's like kind of a snob who like, but has a heart, maybe not heart of gold, but is not a bad guy exactly. But definitely will tell you your taste is bad or like won't respect you if your taste is bad. And like, we've all met those people. So High Fidelity, I feel like is a lot like Fight Club in that people will watch it and then have a like really misread what it's all about. And then they'll be like, yeah, John Cusack in High Fidelity, I will model my personality on him. And they'll miss, they'll totally miss all of the like criticisms built into the movie where it's like he's an asshole. Oh my God, the OG Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get into the movie that we're here to talk about today. It, it is called Must Love Dogs. Before we get into the plot, let's get into some stats. On every show, we talk about the Cusack number. That's how many Cusacks are in the film. Uh, of course, we know the big ones. There's John, there's Joan. Anne is the somewhat lesser known. But then there's also Susie, there's Dick, there's Bill. There's many Cusacks in the Cusack clan. But unfortunately, the Cusack number of this movie is one, only one Cusack. John is the only Cusack who appears. Rotten Tomatoes score, 36%. So pretty bad. Uh, but the people score, 50%. So still pretty bad. Um, <laughs> Roger Ebert gave it two stars, and this is his opening paragraph, which I only include because what? Must Love Dogs is like a puppy with big brown eyes and a wagging tail who weeps with earnestness to lick your hand, but then you take a look around the pound and decide to adopt the sad-eyed beagle who looks as if she's seen a thing or two. In dogs, as in love stories, it's better to choose wisdom over infatuation. <laughs> what <laughs> it is an insane thing to write in a review but i will say that at least it has nothing to do with the movie exactly <laughs> um all right must love dogs we open boom opens with a great needle drop when will i be loved linda rodstadt i'm like hell yeah is this gonna be one of those movies where i like the soundtrack as much as the movie i will say i like the soundtrack more than the movie because the movie was not very good um <laughs> it also in the credits there's these like when harry met sally style interviews with people and but they're like they're people <laughs> on black and sort of cropped at the torso and they're just sort of floating in this like blackness and the way it's staged is so strange and so that sort of set the tone for the movie for me i was i was on edge um then we get to our lead diane lane 
And can I just say one of my big problems with Diane Lane in this movie, she is so, okay. The analogy I used with Mary was like in, in, have you ever seen Lars von Trier's Antichrist? No. (laughs) That's going to be a no as well. Okay. So in Lars von Trier's Antichrist, you see Willem Dafoe's penis. And Lars von Trier had to get a porn star to be the penis double for Willem Dafoe because Willem Dafoe's penis was so big that Lars von Trier thought it would be distracting. So he went out and found a smaller penis. And this is how I feel about Diane Lane. I needed them to find a woman who was less beautiful because she's so pretty that she was constantly distracting me from the movie. Does this analogy work? (laughs) I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Diane Lane, much like Willem Dafoe's penis. Yeah. Although the movie does say a lot, like she's pretty. And it's like, I know I see her too. (laughs) I will say I did appreciate that. It wasn't like trying to pretend that she was some like homely teacher. Love her. Also, is she a good actress? Uh, I think yes, but maybe not in this. But she wasn't given that much to work with, I will say. I would agree. Yeah, yeah this was this was pretty thin overall. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely I like her a lot in other roles. I think she suffered from the same thing that the movie in general suffered from, which was having no idea what the tone was. Yes. yes. Sorry, I was. That's what I was thinking this the whole time. I was like, this. The tone of this is so weird. Yeah, it's insane. It, I the deli guy. It, I'm sure we're going to talk about the deli, oh the deli guy later, but he shows up relatively early in the beginning of the movie too, right? Like, is it yeah. is this a fair time to bring up the deli guy at all? Yeah. Well, let's hold on. Let's hold on the deli guy for a moment because let's okay. get to the the first scene. Is we see basically an intervention being brought against. Diane Lane's character by what turns out to be her whole family. But this is when I was also like, whoa, Dennis from It's Always Sunny, Christopher Plummer, Elizabeth Perkins. Like this cast is pretty stacked. The cast is really good. Like a lot of really impressive people made, took the time to make this movie. It's strange. And the way they do this intervention is they all pull out pictures (laughs) of guys and put them on the refrigerator with magnets to be like this could be a guy you could date and then one guy has two pictures of his friends just in his pockets and he's like these are my friends here you go (laughs) and he just carries around pictures of his friends i mean i know 2005 was a different time but Mm -hmm. yeah i had to check what year this movie was made while i was watching it because i was like First off, I was like, John Cusack looks older than I feel like he should here. One mm-hmm. thing. But also, so much of it was like very, it felt dated in a weird way. Um, not just because of, I know we'll get into like the online stuff, but just like the way, the way they were so mean to her and also the way that they were like obsessed with her finding somebody else. Yes. It's crazy. Very strange. It was very like, you cannot be a spinster. Yeah, this movie takes place in a world where divorce is the worst thing that can happen <laughs> to a person. It's and it's not like a, it's not like an event. It's like a character flaw about the person yeah. that they are divorced. Then we meet John Cusack, who his job is to make boats. 
can I, I, uh, I don't want to correct you here, Matt, but I believe his job is to make one boat. <laughs> and never sell them. And they live in Los Angeles, I believe. I mean, I guess people need boats in LA, but not those kind of boats. And you don't sell any. So what's going on here? They're not seafaring vessels. Yeah. For sure. To be able to have the money to live and work where he does. He must be operating entirely off of the assumed value of the one boat that he made. He made the original <laughs> NFT. Yeah. He also looks like he's never gone outside. I <laughs> know. I wrote he should be he shouldn't be making boats. He should be like a clarinetist or something. Like that's John Cusack. John Cusack's never been in a workshop before. We meet him and he is like sanding down a boat. In like a beautiful Argyle sweater and like no goggles and like no tools of any kind really around except for the one like sand piece of sandpaper he's holding. We, we have our leads and they are each have people in their lives who are forcing them to like get back out there, quote unquote. Her whole family is like, you gotta, you can't be an old spinster. And he has this like horny best friend who's like, you gotta get out there. I and did appreciate uh, that horny best friend uh, is a dog so to speak but uh realistic to me uh i feel like those guys for sure exist so here now let's talk about it diane lane goes to the deli and then she has this very odd interaction with the guy at a deli counter first off the thing that distracted me is that whenever she's going to the store to get any kind of meat she has to actually speak to someone 2005 that's 16 years ago i didn't know that that's how meat worked in general at grocers that recently. But I mean, to have this person, maybe having that person that you're going to every few days when you go to the grocery store, maybe that could be some kind of an explanation for why this person feels qualified to chime in this much in Diane Lane's life. He's so invested. He's so invested. He's like, are you sure you only want one chicken breast? You don't want to get this whole thing? Maybe you have company. Maybe you have a man over. It's like, insane invasion of this woman's privacy oh, that yeah. that to me is like classic that is classic rom-com trope or like standard where some random person thinks it's their business to be like why don't you have somebody you should have somebody like that that to me was like in the world of where this movie wants to be that was the only thing that really made sense <laughs> even if it's like wrong that that is like a that that you could copy and you could cut and paste that scene and put it into any other rom com and it would still make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's also uh, not to get too into it, but that's like how men talk to women. Like <laughs> I I had a task rabbit come. I moved. I had a task rabbit come and tang up my, my TV, and it was really heavy. And the task rabbit said like. Yeah, I just assumed you'd have a boyfriend or a husband around to help me. And I was like, why would you assume that? Jesus <laughs> like, Christ. That's insane. So, uh, yeah, which like, I, again, it's like I hired you to do a job. Just just do it. Or if you can't, don't make weird insinuations about my personal <laughs> life. So anyway, yeah. uh, that part felt normal to me. <laughs> well, I guess that just shows my my privilege of not getting critiqued on my love life nearly as much. Uh, then Diane Gillane goes to her job. We find out that she is a uh, preschool teacher, kindergarten teacher, preschool. preschool preschool teacher. And we know the time of year because her friend walks in holding a pumpkin. So 
And I was like, of course she's a like a teacher who like works with little kids. I was like, oh my God. That is like to me a very like also a very boring rom-com trope. It's in this scene where we meet one of our, you know, one of our main characters who's sort of the the rival for her affections, and that's Dermot Mulroney. Um I guess not an all-star rom-com, but like he's, you know, maybe a six-man-off-the-bench rom-com guy. And just the problem here is that he's so much better looking than John Cusack. He's the one you go to when you need a good-looking guy, for sure. Like he's like, he's the very hot rom-com, at least for that era, or like a little past that era. Like he's who you go to for that, I feel like. Yeah, if like, if you like handsomeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like dangerous Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> yes. Like Patrick Dempsey is so safe. Right. But like, I don't know. Dermot Mulroney. In this scene, she's like about to go like talk to this guy. And she's like, oh, I got to look in the mirror and make sure I look nice. And one of the things she does is wrap a pink feather boa <laughs> around her. <laughs> then we meet Cuse. We get a little bit more of Cusack's personal sort of development or his inner workings we learn he loves dr zhivago and he made his friend sit and watch dr zhivago with him because that's his like post breakup movie have either of you seen dr zhivago no no it's good but it's like very long and very like it's like a tragic epic love story set between world war one and the russian revolution and and it's very like it's not, it's not a movie that I would put on uh, post-breakup. I would also say Rosemary's Baby is a good oof, breakup oof. movie if you are a woman because you'll be like, yeah, uh, fuck men. And also especially mm. fuck actors. That movie is like yeah. actors <laughs> and the book, but that it's like stay away from actors, whatever you do. So that, yeah. I also have found that validating after breakups. But I like that one, too, because it does have that happy ending where she does, you know, (laughs) get back together with her husband and she has all these new friends and one very special new friend, you know, so. Good point, yeah. So he, Dr. Zhivago is his thing. So we're going back and forth, scene to scene, Diane Lane, Cusack, they start this online dating process. Their friends, each of their friends have like made them profiles on this online dating, trying to force them back into the dating world. Um, then we get a very cute little scene of Diane Lane going on a date. I don't know if it's cute or not. It's weird, certainly. Uh, she goes on a date, and she's like, the man on the date is like, I'm a young 40, and I'll have a yellow rose. And then uh, the, the punchline is, it's her dad. She meets her I dad on the date. This. I hated this so much. I hate when movies do this or TV shows or whatever. I know it's supposed to be like, how embarrassing or what a joke, but I think it's disgusting and I, I don't like it. It's, it is gross. <laughs> I, there's like, yeah, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> it was not charming. I, I think there's a world in which in a more cohesively... Uh, just a more cohesive movie in general this could be a charming moment but it was like yeah it was just fucking weird and real life awkward i will say i do think he does good work in this movie overall though i feel like sad kind of sad older guy is like they're like kind of sad dad or just father figure is an interesting like trope and i feel like he he did a good job with it Mm-hmm. Very rarely will you find a rom-com where the lead has two parents. Like it just doesn't really happen. Or if they do have two parents, 
their peas in a pod because a lot of times narratively it's very hard to figure out what to do with two parents Mm -hmm. Hmm. and that goes back to shakespeare you know the disappearing mother thing yeah the mothers always disappear in the second acts of shakespeare plays so in a way Uh, he was being quite shakespearean (laughs) that choice as i have said i'm not that familiar with john cusack's past work so i have not seen (laughs) shakespeare (laughs) yes um so then we get a montage of diane lane going out on all these dates and it's just like the worst men in the world it's like her first date is like basically jeffrey epstein and it's like (laughs) i wish i thought you were gonna be a young child um which is really gross and then there's like a guy who cries a lot i thought this scene was like weird and off-putting in general and like there was that one guy who was just like his thing was he liked to arm wrestle or something (laughs) i didn't understand what like it was like very clear like this guy's a creep who likes way younger women this guy is too sensitive and then the third guy was like he liked to arm wrestle her and then there was something else weird he did and he wants to split the check and this his whole his like the game of his character was just like i don't know i'm fucking weird in a million different directions (laughs) (laughs) um but then at the end of the scene their last the last date that diane lane is going on is they meet at the dog park uh because must love dogs we gotta have some dogs in it very shockingly little to do with dogs in this movie i was gonna say also is i i expected a lot more dog stuff the movie's also called must love dogs and neither of them have dogs i know is that supposed to be part of the joke is that must love dogs but like they each borrow a dog from a friend to go to to the dog part that's like is the whole title supposed to be ironic because there's just enough dogs in it that i'm like i don't i don't know i just think i think they should have called the movie something else some dogs yeah because <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't really make a lot of sense like it doesn't really prepare you for what you're about to watch absolutely not yeah i was expecting a valentine's day style or like love actually style series of vignettes all of which revolved around dogs yeah like, I think that's reasonable and the other movie that i always confuse this one with is the truth about cats and dogs yes Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo. And that does have a lot more actual animal stuff. That's a good movie. Yes. Um, yeah. This whole scene is very strange. It's supposed to be the meat, the big meat cute. We finally get our leads together. And like the first thing John Cusack does is like make a joke about putting his dog down. Yeah. It's very strange. I also don't think they have that much chemistry. So I was like, there's not, there's not a lot making me root for these two people. Like, He's so weird to her, and they don't seem to have that much in common. Well, it's like you said about tone. They both seem yeah. to be in different movies. Yeah. It was interesting. In the in the closing credits, they revisit the uh, little clips of people talking about their relationships, but featuring for like the first time relationships that were in the real movie. And I bring that up to say that in that little clip of John Cusack and Diane Lane, I thought that clip is the only time they had believable chemistry in the entire movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would also say, if this movie is, like, supposed to be, like, I think some of the movies, like, hey, it's kind of hard and weird to meet people in this day and age. We do stuff online now. Fine, like, whatever. But then I think the movie would have benefited, like, kind of, and kind of what it sets you up for with the vignettes in the beginning is following different stories, like, kind of like, um, he's just not that into you. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have benefited from being more like that, I think, because 
it, there's not really enough to go on an hour and a half of just these two people. Well, there is no plot. There's no yeah. like, <laughs> the only dynamic tension is that it's like, who's she going to choose Dermot Mulroney or uh, John Cusack? But even that is like a little all over the place. That's not like really a through line. This movie just isn't, there's not, there's nothing going on. Yeah. And can I say about their chemistry? This is stepping on the trivia at the end a little bit, but uh, Diane Lane apparently was extremely nervous about any improv that Cusack added to the film. Uh, when Cusack tried to make her improv, she thought, I don't feel that confidence. I start blushing profusely and get all sweaty. And I don't know, I'm old school. So that might explain the lack of chemistry is that Cusack and just stepping on another part of the trivia, according to writer, producer, director, Gary David Goldberg, he gave the script to John Cusack and encouraged him to change any of his character's dialogue to better suit him. Goldberg was surprised by Cusack's response, who later sent him about 35 pages of new dialogue for the character. So it did feel like Cusack's probably just doing whatever he wants. Yeah. And that might have like, Diane Lane might have like been a little bit on edge. Uh, and maybe that's why they're not really. That would be be extremely fair i will say i think that's the biggest flaw of this movie is that you're not really rooting for her to be with dermot mulroney either because you know the movie tells you from the very beginning he's not a good guy yeah. like the movie says like hey this guy sucks and there's no evidence he's really changed he's just hot and charming so you're not really like rooting for her with her for her to be with anybody and at neither point does she kind of hit a time where she's with one of them for a little while and they get into a group, you know? Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, she should be with that other guy instead. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's so strange to me that after that kid in the very beginning said, my mom says my dad is incorrigible. What's that mean? It means that he likes other women. It's so strange that she didn't take that as a red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a single guy. She's a single girl. What what else is she supposed to do, you know? <laughs> and he looks like Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. And she looks like Diane Lane. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's this whole scene where they're supposed to have chemistry. They don't really have any. Then we he's very rude to her, but somehow they sort of leave it like there's potential for a second date between Lane and Cusack. Um, then... There's a then there's a very strange, very rom commy scene um, of she goes to Christopher Plummer's new girlfriend's house, played by the wonderful stalker Channing. Could have the movie could have just been about her. Probably should have just been about her. Yeah. I love um, her. She's so good in this too. She's great. She yeah. like really brings she brings something to the table here, where it's like most people are just like sort of phoning it in. Um, but this is a very strange scene because they're meeting Christopher Plummer's like new girlfriend and it's Elizabeth Perkins and it's Diane Lane and maybe the other daughters there too. And then I like blinked my eyes and then suddenly Dermot Mulroney was there too. And I, I didn't feel like it warranted me trying to rewind it and find out why, but he was just there for some reason, all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but then I guess later on, I I realized that they had to set up that, he's the next door neighbor of Stockard Channing, which yeah. that comes into play later. Um, but then there is your very sort of stereotypical rom-com musical number for no reason. Yeah. Which uh, I loved. I'm sad to report. That was like the one time in the movie where I was like, this is the tone it should be. Like this, this should be fun. 
and this part of the movie is fun. Nothing else here is fun except this. Agree. I think you're dead on. Like, yeah. you know, Dermot Mulroney gets up, starts playing the piano. You're like, yeah, this is a great time. Yeah. Well, it has energy. Mm-hmm. And so much of this movie has like no energy or forced energy or really weird. Like the, the condom search is like frenetic, but it's very like weirdly edited and like well we'll get there um so they have this cute musical number then there's a halloween party and dermot moroni's really going for it with diane lane um and i'm like watching this scene i'm like why is cusack even in this what what is the point of any of this (laughs) then cusack calls diane lane and cusack gets another chance with Diane Lane. So they go out on this date. I think this is supposed to be the scene where we see their connection. Cusack's like, let's just be like radically honest with each other. And I think this scene is supposed to establish why they like each other. And by the end, I still didn't understand like why she had any interest in Cusack. Cause he's just fucking weird. <laughs> oh yeah. He comes off like a total maniac here. If you're Diane Lane, I don't know how those two dates stand apart at all from any of the other insane dates that they've shown in a montage. Yeah, honestly, arm wrestling guy is like the best guy. (laughs) I have to say that he, when he talks to his friend about her after that first date, he goes, he's, I believe he says like, she was a mess. It's fantastic. And I was like, (laughs) what? I was like, what? Like, that doesn't sound like you like her. It sounds like you want to sleep with her and never talk to her again. Like, (laughs) It was so weird to describe somebody that way. And she's also not a mess. So I didn't, I didn't get it. But yeah, but also, yeah, I, um, I found that upsetting. I should. (laughs) It's very strange. uh, She's so put together in this movie. Her house is immaculate. Her life is so wildly together. She's pouring tea out of a tea pot. That she has made a whole pot of tea. She's not just dropping the bag in each individual cup. I did like, think about that too, because I was like, they have such a big house for a couple that didn't have kids. That's a really big house. Yeah. You know what this movie needed? This was a Nancy Myers movie that like needed to happen. You know, you had the leads, you have the the big kitchen, you got all a lot of the trappings of a Nancy Myers movie, but without that deaf touch, you know, you needed Nancy. <laughs> Yeah, she would have made it at least more fun, for sure. And there's, like you keep saying, like the thing about rom-coms is like, good rom-coms need to be like fast paced, like very like, like the scene, there needs to be momentum, the scenes need to be like uh, fast. And I feel like the dialogue needs to flow back and forth really well. And there are like a few moments that made me laugh, but yeah, it's just, I know we keep saying, but it's just so meandering. It's like very weird. There needed to be like a boat show at the end that he was gearing up to like show his boat at a boat show or something that like was out here that we are working towards or like the the preschool recital where all the rich parents are coming to donate money to the some anything that was like driving Mm -hmm. the plot forward besides just like and now you know we had this weird time in armenian restaurant and they bring you home and we're getting ready to have sex but you don't have a condom i don't have a condom and now there's just going to be this like weird little chase scene where we're going store to store trying to find condoms that is it's such a weird i hated i hated this scene i thought it was so weird and bad it's so out of place it's strange that she goes from being like i don't know if i'll even want to have sex to immediately immediately do you have a condom like like i 
I get that they were, you want to be safe, but like, she wasn't sure before. And then she's like, they barely even kissed. And she's like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. This made me think the tone of this scene in general was, I, I think Lana, I think you nailed it. Where if this were vignettes that were like showcasing different aspects of dating at that time, this could just be one of those vignettes where it's like, look at this funny anecdote about what it's like to need a condom but not have one. And it slots in so much better for the movie. Like, it's just, they were doing, I think this thing was shot on like a, a Sony Handycam. <laughs> like, it was like that or they, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. The car, there was so much juddering happening when the car was like turning these corners. I don't know if they were, speeding the footage up or slowing it down or why this was happening but it was like it was terrible it shot at 15 frames per second <laughs> anyway they don't end up having sex because by the time they get condoms the mood is off and it's just like thank god yeah uh, <laughs> anyway after this scene there's like a weird what i thought was like a wedding scene and then i guess it was just a party it was for... a confirmation oh okay <laughs> what <laughs> it's very strange but it's purely to set up the fact that christopher Plummer ha- is dating around and not just dating stalker channing and he's like a he's a little bit of a womanizer himself it, this is really to show that like he's trying to womanize so he needs diane lane to drive stalker channing home and it's just an excuse to like get them together diane lane and stalker channing and have some like you know bonding scenes and we realize that stalker channing has like invented catfishing because she, <laughs> she's she's on uh like all these dating websites and it's like talking to minors and it's like, very <laughs> uncomfortable yes. um strange although i will say i like diane lane and stalker channing together a lot like those scenes work for me way better i feel like because i'm like oh they have they have a nice rapport Agreed. Yeah. This movie should have focused on like, yeah. If it was like about Diane Lane and it was mainly about her dealing with her father's new relationships. And then it was like sort of the rom-com was her learning to love Stucker Channing's character. That's a movie. I would love that. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. That would work much better than what we get. Um, so then like later on after a couple more scenes forgettable like filler scenes essentially stalker channing shows up so diane lane's on the phone with john cusack they're setting up maybe another date stalker channing bursts in hangs up the phone and says i need help and basically this this young man who turns out to be like 15 or 16 has who has this relationship online with Stucker Channing has shown up to be like, I'm here. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And Stucker Channing needs Diane Lane's help for some reason to get him yeah. to go home. I don't that know. It made me laugh only because I thought the young boy sold it pretty well. <laughs> Where he was like, I don't care how old you are. And I did like, she's like, I'm 40. And yeah. I thought that, that was like a good joke that she, mm. she sold pretty well. It is one of the better scenes, yeah. uh, but it is also strange. Yeah, it reminded me of the scene where Diane Lane goes on a date with her dad, and then it's like, <laughs> this is, which I, I feel like is pretty good rom-com territory where it's like something very strange is happening, but you know, it's cute because rom-com. Yeah. 
Diane Lane helps Tucker Channing get this kid in a cab back to L- like other part of LA or whatever. And then she's like, I'm here. I might as well go next door and knock on Dermot Mulroney's door just to say hello. He's got another woman there. Not only any other woman, but it's her younger coworker from the preschool. Who has been established as like all the parents, all like the, all the dads like have the hots for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so this is a scene where like, Diane Lane says some line where she's like, do you want to come in? She's like, I don't know. I'd rather go fucking kill myself. (laughs) It's just like really strange. (laughs) And they do not react to that at all. They're just like, oh, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One thing that was weird, I don't, there's that character. And then there's also that other like young character who they like kind of call a slut basically who works oh, with oh yeah that. Jordana I, Spiro from Ozark yeah, I feel like that's one character almost like yeah. they're both like, young blonde and like supposed to be like the hot ones and I'm like you have to make these either pretty different characters or just make them one person because it's like very confusing yeah yeah I, at first I was like oh it's the girl that the lawyer friend was trying to set him up with. And I was like, oh no, it was the girl that was dressed as a cowboy, I think. But I can't tell because she was dressed as a cowboy. So she leaves Dermot Mulroney's house in a huff because like he was with another woman. She gets back to her house and Dennis from It's Always Sunny, her, who is her brother, the owner of the dog. Uh, Which is it, named Mother Teresa? Yeah. Right? Which yeah. is also I yeah. think that's supposed to be like a funny joke, but I, I like just like went over my head. I was like, also, I don't sometimes even know. Sometimes they call her Mother Teresa, and sometimes they call her Mother Teresa, and that really bothered me. Well, Teresa <laughs> is the Irish Teresa, oh. so Teresa. Um, so maybe they were like some people were leaning more into the Irish than others. Um, Christopher Plummer, I wouldn't say he was leaning into Irish that much. <laughs> I would say he's maybe doing one of those things toe. where you are standing upright, but you have one leg crossed over the other. <laughs> he's shifting his weight into Irish. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Dennis is having trouble at home. And he, I'm just going to call him Dennis because I don't know. Yeah. Glenn Howerton, I think, is the actor. He's having trouble at home. So he shows up to, to his sister's house, Diane Lane, wasted. But Cusack is there to take care of him because when Stucker Channing hung up on him, he got worried he came over. And then I just guess sat on the porch until she came home. Um, But it's yeah. Sorry. In addition to that, like being very inappropriate, I know that's also a trope. Like who has time to do that? That's so weird. He's already made the boat. What else does he need to do? (laughs) That's That's his job and his hobby. has time on their hands it's it's this guy for sure yeah Yeah. it's basically Uh, sit on the porch or watch dr shivago again yes (laughs) at one point cusack is like let me drive the brother has since has reconciled with his wife over the phone i guess and cusack's like let me drive the brother home so he leaves but while he's gone dermot mulroney shows up and is like what you saw wasn't what you saw she just like dropped my son off and Cusack walks back in with the drunk brother being like, he was too drunk to tell me where he lives, but he walks in right as Dermot Mulroney sort of steals a kiss from. Which also doesn't feel consensual, which also Oh no, like, it's not. <laughs> it's a stolen kiss. 
he he like he just goes for it and she's clearly surprised um but it just happened and he walks in at the right time so then cusack walks off in a huff and diane lane is like please can i explain what's happening and cusack's like no need i got it and he just like says what he thinks that she's thinking and then leaves and it's like i don't know man like you could listen to her say that this guy just forcibly kissed me yeah yeah and he does say something like we've only been on like a couple dates we don't owe anything to each other or something like that but i'm like but you're acting like you do like you're mad at her so i don't i don't you're saying this but clearly you don't mean it it's yeah. so weird because then he immediately is like, ah, oh, that's over with. I blew it. And it's like, I, I really feel like it's not. <laughs> yeah. You could have, if you had talked for three minutes, you, you could work this out. Diane Lane has another montage of bad dates, but the montage ends with her finally giving Dermot Mulroney a call. Um, and then they go, I guess, on vacation together. Yeah. They sleep together. And then the next morning, so you, yeah. That was the best part of the movie is that Rilo Kylie, I never needle drop where I was like, oh, yes. I like this. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I like when you play Rilo Kylie in movies. Uh, and it's a good use of that song. So I was like, this is cool. Yeah. The, sa- the soundtrack is a, it's, it's a good rom-com soundtrack. So they sleep together and then it's the classic the next morning the guy's like oh my god what time is it i got a game he says i have a game which did he earlier say he was an athlete or on a softball team or something i didn't i must have missed that no i think i did too because he I, he's not he's getting his phd in like yeah. history <laughs> yeah Maybe he's on the school team. The debate he's team. Like, he's getting his history PhD on an athletic scholarship <laughs> at fifty. Um, yeah, well, so he's really mean to her. He's like, "We should go." And then on the drive back, he's being sort of cold to Diane Lane. And then on the drive back, basically, uh, apropos of just him being cold, she's like, "You slept with June, didn't you?" <laughs> and then he's like oh yeah you know you know whatever i thought but i didn't want to lie to you because i thought we would be good together and then he says and we were good together past tense and that's how we know that's like how she knows that this guy is a he's he's an asshole and then i will say she dropped he drops her off at home and then she has like a tell-off monologue which i actually very much enjoyed because at one point she calls him a stupid head, which <laughs> which she then, ex- after the fact, explains, which I wish she didn't do. I wish she had just called him a stupid head because, like, we would have got it. She's, like, a preschool teacher. Um, but she really sells it. And then she also, like, breaks his glasses, which I think is really funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought her tell-off monologue was good. And then I think this is the problem is that I'm, like, I was never, like, be with Dermot Mulroney. And it's, like, I need, I need like, in a good rom-com, you need to kind of see why she would choose either like you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. and in this you're like i i guess if you want to go cusack okay but definitely don't go with this other guy and he's been bad this whole time and it's yeah. been so clear yeah surely some man somewhere must have at least one redeeming quality besides yeah. handsome yeah and she also wasn't that sold on him too in a lot of ways so it just didn't it didn't make any sense 
Yeah. I think the only person who seemed like an all-around good guy in this movie was uh, Dennis from Always Sunny. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get, I mean, we got no resolution to that story whatsoever. I thought we were getting some at the end, just absolutely nothing. Everybody else, all our other family members doing weird shit. Her dad being a monster to these three women. (laughs) Well, at least he's really out in the open about it. Uh, (laughs) You know what he is? He invented ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, yes. this movie, now we're learning. This is like, this is insanely influential. Mm-hmm. So then we get this really unfortunate manicure scene full of yeah. really like problematic stereotypes and and like doubly so because too, there's also just like the gay best friend who is like really falling into the gay best friend stereotype. And then they go to this like, manicure place and it's this all just like sort of a a icky uncomfortable scene it's also weird because they're like there's this whole scene of them like what should we do for fun i don't know i guess let's get manicures because we have these gift certificates it was like really weird and like forced i will say like i like that the best friend i guess wasn't like a super hot guy no offense Mm -hmm. to him but like he wasn't like i guess he like kind of uh went against some stereotypes of how gay men are usually in rom-coms but also fit them in that he's just the gay best friend but yeah that scene was upsetting and then also I feel I feel like the whole purpose was just to get her in like the nail like Mm -hmm. hands and feet so she could look silly which is also a rom-com trope and the little like a little bit of physical comedy that we didn't really get in the movie yeah yeah Yes, because she then out the window of the salon sees John Cusack and goes to run up to him. And this is like you said, she looks a little silly. So it's a little awkward. It's a little like, oh, I wish I was looking my best seeing this guy that I'm clearly interested in. And especially doubly so because then the hot Jordana Spiro character comes out and it's like, oh, he's on a date with this other blonde young blonde woman who his horny friend has been really pushing you should date this girl. Um, and so then they both get sad. He also took that woman to see Dr. Zhivago, and yes. it's like, it just so happened to be playing in theaters, this long-ass movie, and that's, like, also a horrible thing to subject somebody to on, like, a first or second date or whatever Insane. it is. And also... <laughs> it's like, you want to go on this first date with me and watch The Deer Hunter? Like, that's the <laughs> level of... <laughs> And she's also like, I love Dr. Shivago. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't mean you two should get married and be together because you like this same pretty popular classic movie. That's also the first we've heard of that. You know, like, I feel like Harry Met Sally, it's like they're talking about Casablanca from the jump to the end, and it's like a through line. And this is like the very end of the movie and the first we're hearing of like, oh, Diane Lane also likes this favorite movie that you've been talking about the entire movie. So Cusack is like, after seeing Diane Lane, he's like, oh, I guess, I guess I do really like her and I don't like this young, you know, girl that I'm here with, this young hot girl. So he drops her off at home and is like, I don't think this is going to work out. You go upstairs. And then he goes home and puts on Dr. Zhivago again. (laughs) (laughs) I think what we're learning about John Cusack in this movie is he is a masochist. That's maybe the only movie he's seen. So he thinks that's the only (laughs) movie that exists. It almost feels like, um, like, 
uh, like sponsored con. <laughs> yeah, spawn con. <laughs> yeah, Paramount's like, we really need to get our DVD sales of Zhivago up. Then the next scene is Cusack, or one of the, the next important scene is Cusack and his boat, his one boat, are outside of a coffee shop, and he happens to run into Christopher Plummer, who is admiring his boat, and Cusack... They have some exchange about like, you know, heartbreak is hard. And like he talks, he sort of talks to Cusack about his, his, uh, his recent heartbreak and Cusack gives a little monologue of why he thinks, you know, this girl that he lost was so special who then Plummer repeats to Diane Lane slightly later and Diane Lane recognizes it and it's like, oh, you just... Cusack likes me still. Oh my God. I've got to like do the classic run to profess my love. And she finds out where Cusack is. He's taking his boat out for one last ride before he sells it to the guy that's going to chop it in half and put it on the wall, which we didn't talk about earlier, but he like refuses to sell this boat to people who like want to use it, look at it as art only wants it to be like an actual boat and like be in the water. So she goes to the lake where he is rowing the boat she, you know, it's a, she's running around trying to figure out someone give me a ride. Oh, these crew girls. All right. I'll jump in the crew boat and the crew girls are taking her out. But then she moves past John Cusack. It's like, oh no, I gotta just jump in the water. She jumps in, swims to Cusack. Uh, they profess their love for each other. They're going to be together, cut to the deli. And the deli guy is she's alone at first and then Cusack shows up and then they just start making out hardcore in front of this deli guy. Yeah, it's a little too much. It also felt like, did you do all this to prove the deli guy wrong? Yeah. Because that's how it feels. She's like a, that's, yeah. She's a very unhealthy relationship with this deli guy. <laughs> and he's so invested and like happy for her. And I was like, this is strange. Yeah, it's he's weird crying. and gross. <laughs> There's a tear rolling down his cheek at the end of the movie. It's uh, insane. I I thought the uh, I thought this scene where John Cusack meets Christopher Plummer. I thought that was like overall like a great scene. I could have seen that again in the the vignette version of this movie. That's like mm -hmm. a beautiful way to tie it all together toward the end. Uh, I will say that like. <laughs> The movie ended, credits roll, and Mary was like, ah, imagine a world where black people don't exist. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was basically this movie. It was a Los yeah. Angeles with no people of color, except for like very problematic stereotypes of Asian yeah, people. Extremely, yeah, extremely, extremely white movie. Even for a rom-com, which are often too white, this was exceedingly so all right well let's go into some segments so our first category is q snack this is where we look at john and we say what do you think is he a snack in this movie snack no it's a podcast you gotta talk lana oh. <laughs> she's just <laughs> shaking her head <laughs> no he's not he's not in this movie sorry john no i would agree sort of bloated He's not a snack. Kevin, agree? Not a snack. Um, okay. Well, speaking of paycheck movies, John Cusack is quoted as saying, 
I've made 10 good films. I'm sure you know which ones they are. The ones that suck, I tend to blank out. It's like I've never even made them. We all make art and then we pay the rent. So he clearly thinks he's only made 10 good movies. On this podcast, we're trying to figure out what are those 10. We think we've got two nailed down. We think he likes Stand By Me and we think he likes being John Malkovich. The other slots are open. Do we think Must Love Dogs is in one of those slots? Lana's shaking her head again. No. The only way it would be is if he really likes that 35 pages of dialogue that he wrote. If he's like really (laughs) proud of that writing, I could see it. (laughs) I mean, he's a really self-deprecating guy and uh, he clearly thinks most of what he does is shit. So I can't, even that, I just can't imagine he's very proud of it. I hope he thinks Hot Tub Time Machine is one of the good ones. better movie than you'd expect it is good next segment is called coffee tea me in honor of the woman who spoke those famous words in working girl the great joan cusack now this is a segment where we recast a part in this movie with joan cusack where do you think she would be she would best serve the film and pump it up a bit you would have to change some of the dialogue, but I think she could do something really interesting with the his best friend part. That's like the, what I was going to say. Horny lawyer. I was wow. going to say that because they have such good chemistry, and they yeah. are friends yeah. in a lot of movies. I think that's that's the role. Yeah, that would rule. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't think she's quite. I feel like the rule, the part she maybe would have gotten would be the Elizabeth Perkins part, but I don't think that's quite right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I think the horny lawyer guy would be a lot more fun. Okay, so the next segment is called Who Was He Dating and How Did It Impact His Performance? John Cusack is a lifelong bachelor and a serial dater, dated a lot of co-stars, dated a lot of young starlets. He is he's, He gets around Hollywood and has had few long-term relationships except for one that he was in well during the making of this movie. From 2003 to 2009, he was dating actress Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, who, I don't know if you know her, uh, she was in Whatever It Takes, that classic teen film from the 90s. Uh, She has not been in that many things, but just I think it's important to know that he was in a long-term, his 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 really his only long-term relationship in his life during the making of that of this so what do you think he brought from that to his role of mr boatman i think he brought his punch yeah i was gonna say maybe explains why he like looks so bad (laughs) because he just let himself go he's happy yeah yeah i think maybe uh all right let's go to our final segment it's called things i like things i hate things i think are weird Kevin, what's one thing you like about this movie? Watching Christopher Plummer admire a boat. <laughs> I really do. I it like he that is so dead on the money for who I think he is as a person. No, Lana, what's one thing you like? I know I said this already, but um hearing Jenny Lewis in a movie always mm-hmm. does it for me. So I I like that. Lana, let's start with you. What's one thing you hate about this movie? thing i hate about this movie um god i feel like it's so hard to choose um (laughs) (laughs) um i guess like i hate i hate how mean the family is i really really don't like that and i i i know diane lane is great but 
she's so cutesy in this movie. I almost found it like cloying. Like mm-hmm. she just has no, she, I don't, I didn't think she had a real personality. Kevin. Uh, I hated actually also in the scene where Christopher Plummer's admiring the boat. I hated the little monologue that he had when he talked to John Cusack, where he said, uh, an artist as well as a philosopher. Um, I think the quote was life is fated to be the hardest on us. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I am so not on board with you anymore, man. <laughs> really blew a great lead that he had with me. Uh-huh. Anything we want to add that we think is weird? I mean, we talked about most of the weird stuff in the movie. Oh, I was going to say, it's very weird they live in L.A. Like, I don't think this feels like L.A. at all. I think it should have taken place in any small city. It feels like a small city movie. It should, Maybe especially because like he's a boat guy. He should, I feel like, New England somewhere, like Maine or, yeah. you know, somewhere where yeah. boats. Absolutely. Boston, even. Yeah, maybe not even the city proper, suburb yeah. of Boston. It's perfect. Fucking. I honestly yeah. thought it was set on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but that, but that is the movie. Must love dogs. Uh, you know, would I recommend it? No, but uh, if you were, you know, super hungover and you're flipping channels and you catch a little bit of it, you know, you could probably do worse. I feel like at any given time, Hitch is on TV, and you should watch that. <laughs> yeah, Hitch. <laughs> Uh, all right, Kevin, thanks so much for being on the pod. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on the internet uh, at Kabauer on Instagram. Uh, they can find me Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at Physical Therapy for a Back Injury. Oh, nice. Well, we're all, you know, QSEC Nation, we're all praying for you. Get well soon. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Lana, where can we find you on the internet? Um, at underscore Lanabelle, uh, L-A-N-A-B-E-L-L-E. And then on Instagram, uh, at bad girl Lanlan, um, two L's bad girl, then Lan Lan three L's, whatever. Uh, I don't know why I did this to myself. Um, but those are my handles. <laughs> you can also find Lana, her book online, wherever books are sold. Uh, it last week was the one year anniversary of the publication, right? Yeah, last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, build your own romantic comedy. Do you want to just give the listeners a quick pitch of the book? Yeah. So basically, it's like um, uh, a rom com, but you get to choose what happens. Uh, so kind of uh, filling out the world of rom coms, meet cutes, and. Uh, gags misunderstandings mistaken identities love triangles and you get to pick what might happen well you can find me online at strickbomb tweet at me tweet at the show tell me you know what we should do next on pod cusack and john you know we know you're listening we you know as we say every week this is all for you we love you we miss you Stay safe. <laughs>